it's a thing of rural New Brunswick legend. I believe, if I understand it correctly, it, it's in Ripples, New Brunswick, and many a weary traveler has come through and seen a sign on the side of the road. The sign says spring. A spring with an arrow pointed. And now, if folklore has it right, I've heard that people have even poured out perfectly good thermoses of water and trekked off into the woods after this fresh spring that is in the Ripples area. It's a story <clears throat> that brings a little smile because after they enter into the wooded area, there's a, if I understand correctly, there's a couple of signs that would direct them, spring, arrow this way, spring, arrow that way, and, and with great anticipation and their thirst not being quenched in the moment they have come across where the spring finally is, only to find a car spring hanging from a tree. I don't know what I'd do if that was me. I don't think the spring would last. I don't think the signs would either, but apparently that is the story of folklore. It's about bait and switch. It's about somebody laughing at the expense of somebody else. Can I just tell you that I, I don't know all of the reasons that you came to service this morning, and I don't know what the signs were that got you here, but this is not about bait and switch. This is not about uh, you coming with one level of expectation and anticipation and leaving uh, disappointed or without having been able to partake in what we have promised. And can I just let you know that everything that we've been experiencing in the room this morning was provided by God for every one of us, and you are not excluded, that everybody has the opportunity to experience the promise that God has prepared for us. There is a spring of living water that rises up. The Bible talks about it, that there is a well that will spring up in your spirit, in your soul, that there is something resident on the inside of you that... If you have yet to experience it, God promised it, and it's not an empty promise. It comes with great opportunity. It comes with great level of expectation. And, and I believe when we came into this service this morning, I had a meeting with some of our ministers as, as this day began, and I talked to them, and I just said, I believe that God wants to pour his spirit out in this service. I believe that there's some people that you may have come empty, but you're going to leave full today. You came with uncertainty, but God's going to let you leave the room knowing that his hand is at work in your life. I, I just believe that kind of thing about the kind of God that we serve this morning. It's a time to celebrate. It's this season of Pentecost. I, I love this time of the year. Anyhow, it's, it's the spring season. It's proof that there is life after death. After the white winter that we all experienced, you know, I love it. I love it when the tulips break through and maybe we still have a snowstorm. And there in the midst of the snow is that green shoot that's coming through the ground. I, there is something that just inside me celebrates that moment. I, I love it that our seasons bring us in high definition the picture of death, burial, and resurrection. I love the fact that, <clears throat> that we don't have to go into winter with an everlasting despair. We, we may go into winter with some consternation. We may get the snowblower tuned up. But here's what we know. At the end of winter, spring is going to win. The sun is going to break through the clouds. The snow is going to melt away. And somewhere beneath the surface of the soil, a seed that has been germinating is going to break forth. They're, they're right there in front of us in high-definition color is the proof of of death, burial, and resurrection. 
There is the hope that we have that even in the dark seasons and even in the night seasons that God allows us to walk through, that the power that God shows us through a single seed lies resident in every single life. It was John chapter 12 and verse 24. Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. It was this week we had the opportunity to have Sister Player's funeral. We also did a committal for Sister Judy Henry. And, and you know, it's in those, those dark seasons, those difficult seasons, that we cling to the hope that God has given us that this is not the end. That that ground is just a place that, that we may die, we may abide alone, but if we die, we bring forth much fruit. That on the other side of that portal, on the other side of that threshold, there is a thing called everlasting life. God always has life waiting for us. I, I, as we were preparing for that funeral, I, God just gave me a little image of, of Adam. This isn't in the notes, I'm sorry guys, at the back, but, but how that Adam, when God declared, when they ate the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that God... God made the declaration that from dust they were formed and unto dust that they would go. But it's in the very next verse that God gives a word to Adam. And Adam begins to prophesy. And he speaks to Eve and he calls her. Until then she was just the woman. But in that moment where he understood what sin was going to do. And he understood that death was going to come into being. He said in that moment, I'm going to call her Eve because she is the mother of all living. I just come to let somebody know today that the enemy declaration of death does not have authority in your life. God has the preeminence and God has the prominence to speak life over you. And if Adam could do it in the midst of the worst curse that, that humanity would ever experience, if Adam could look at that wife and say, I'm going to call her Eve because she's going to be the mother of all living. I just came with a little word for someone today. God speaking life over your life this morning. That promise is ours, death, burial, and resurrection. Don't, don't tell me that scripture's vague with salvation. It's very clear. It's very <clears throat> easy to understand. And, and I'm not trying to be trite, and I'm not trying to exercise some education that we received in Bible college or theology or time spent in Google, searching out homiletics. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. But I would like just to let someone know that God doesn't want salvation to be obscure doesn't want it to be hard to reach, doesn't want it to be misunderstood. God intends for us to understand salvation very clearly. You know, it's there in the Old Testament, and, and we are a New Testament church. We're an Acts 2 church. We're a Pentecost Sunday church. But if we looked into the Old Testament, we would find that the picture, God, before it was developed in the New Testament, God took the picture in the Old Testament and gave us just a little image that we could see of what he was speaking about. It was, it was for Israel, it was the, the Passover, it was the Passover lamb that was given its life to blood so that blood could be applied to the doorposts of their homes and and it was that repentance act that was observed, how that Israel had to die to themselves, that Israel had to die to their will and their wishes, and, and that blood had to be sacrificed, and the, the lamb had to be sacrificed, and the blood had to be applied over the doorway of every home for the death angel to pass over. And as a result, we have the Passover celebration. And, and then it was the Red Sea, the picture of baptism. It was 
It was that <clears throat> Red Sea that they went into and it opened and, and God allowed it to close behind them on the enemy and, and all of their past and everything that was there in their history was no longer a part of who they were. They passed through the Red Sea. God gave them that picture of baptism and then it was on into the promised land that God had, had said that they would receive. The promise, and we, we just have that little picture, maybe not fully clear, like through a glass darkly, but we, we kind of begin to see this picture come into being of death and burial and resurrection. It was there in nature. It was there with Adam, and then it's there with the children of Israel as they exit Egypt. And, and if we just kind of looked at Israel, God begins to, to show us a picture of what was going to happen. Their, their feasts that were <clears throat> given in the Old Testament, God commanded Israel to observe. They were there on purpose. And, and just give me one, one a minute to walk through a little bit of this with you. There, there in the first month, these three feasts in the spring of the year happened just bang, bang, bang. It was one day, next day. And then the Feast of Fruits, it was the Passover, which we just talked about. And then it was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It was when all the leaven was cleaned out of the house and, and Israel had unleavened bread because leaven was a picture of sin. And just a little bit of sin does a whole lot of damage. It was just a little picture of sin. So that feast, that next day, the Passover was one day and the next day they started the unleavened, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And, and that was a picture of what God was going to do removing the sin from their life and then there was the feast of first fruits how that when that first shoot would come out of the ground it was hewn down and it was brought into the priest and it was celebrated because it was a sign it was a picture of what God was able to do and and right there we can see the death and the burial and the resurrection that would come as a result of the cross we we see it right there in the old testament the picture of the feast shows us it was that justification, the blood of the lamb applied to the door. It was sanctification. It was the feast of unleavened bread. It was that time to be set apart and a time to remove sinful things from our life. A little leaven still leavens the whole lump. And it isn't <clears throat> invisible in the New Testament. Paul told the church at Corinth, he said, Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump as your unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. And then the feast of first fruits, the glorification, it was the feast of first fruits that was described in Leviticus 23. And God told the people of Israel, He said, Say to the people of Israel, when you come into the land which I give you and reap its harvest, ye shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. And there were the, in those first three feasts is the picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And then, Israel goes into this season. It's seven weeks. It's seven Sabbaths. It's 49 days until the next feast. It was the feast of Pentecost. It was a, that feast of weeks is what they called it. A feast of weeks because it was a season of seven weeks. So you can see that the perfect number of seven. Seven weeks, seven days, seven Sabbaths brings them to the feast of Pentecost. That's why we talk about waiting on God sometimes. Because this season between when we see that first little shoot come through the snow, when we see that first little bit of green break through the surface, that, that picture was a promise. But then God told them, you've got to rely on me for the next seven weeks. You've got to wait on what I promised would come. You've got to wait on what I said would happen. And, and we know it now. 
because we know the power of the seed. But if you would just kind of think for a moment with me that Israel didn't have, uh, you know, Israel didn't have a shipment of Chiquita bananas coming on a container. Israel, they, she, didn't, she didn't have, you know, one 800 bag of wheat. You know, there wasn't, there wasn't that promise that, you know, if, if the field doesn't grow, I'll just, I'll just give our friends to the south a call and they'll, they'll ship something up. That, that in this moment between the Feast of First Fruits and the Feast of Pentecost, there was this season where they had to trust God. And they had to wait on God. It was a, a time that, that they would <clears throat> kind of just say, God, it's all in your hands now. Has anyone ever been in a little season like that? Anyone been in a season where, where you were uncertain of the outcome, but you just kind of had to say, God, it's all in your hands now. We're just going to trust you. It was seven weeks of seven days, but, but we know. And, he, and here's what, just a simple little thought. But God gave them this commandment to, to celebrate these feasts. Because what God was saying is, I want you to, in the first little Ten days here that, that we're going to celebrate this, these first three feasts, but then we're going to wait. But we're going to put this in the calendar because you may as well mark it down that we're going to be able to celebrate what I promised. We may as well mark it down that when you put the seed in the soil, it's going to come up and it's going to be fruitful. If you are, come on, if you are my people and you hear my voice and you obey my word, then, then we have the promise that you're going to receive what I promised you would have. So sometimes why is it that when we don't get our answer in the first couple of days, we are, come on, we get a little pouty. We get a little upset. We emptied out, a, emptied out our thermos and we thought for sure the spring was going to fill it in the next few moments. And now, and now we're left in the season of waiting. But God said, you know what, put this in the calendar because I want my people to be reminded that when we get to that place, we're going to have a, a season of celebration. I know it's a season of waiting right now. I, I know it's a season of trusting. I know it's a season where we've got to act by faith. Anybody been in a little season like that? I just need a little show of hands because we can pause there for a moment. Some, somebody know what it's been like to wait through the night season. Somebody know what it's, what's, what it's been to, to wait while, while God does the work and things begin to grow in our life. But he knows the end result, but we don't know it yet. We're just in that place of trust. We're trusting in God. But that was what the feasts were about. God said, we're going to celebrate here in seven weeks. Get ready for it. I'm going to let the rain come. I'm going to let the sun shine. I, I, I'm going to let what's in the ground begin to grow. You, you've got my promise. You've got my word. It's going to happen. They're not relying on, on you know, weed and feed. They're not relying on <clears throat> Vessie's seeds. They're not relying. Their they're full reliance is on God. God. And, and if there was ever a time or a, a place in Israel's history where they would be completely focused on what God was saying and how they were living, it was in this season. Because they didn't want to mess up what God was doing in the ground. They didn't want to mess it up because they knew that if they were obedient, then God's blessing would rest. You see, the celebration of the harvest was, was more, than, than just, uh, more than just life to them. The celebration of the harvest was proof that God was working for them. And what would happen at the Feast of Pentecost was that he said, you'll bring out of your habitation two wave loaves of two tenth deals. I got a couple rolls right there. And he said, in, in seven weeks, 
We're not just going to have one green sheaf that came through the ground. We're not just going to have one little flower that flowered. I'll tell you what we're going to have. We're going to have substance from the ground. We're going to have something to celebrate with. We're going to walk into the temple. We're going to walk into the tabernacle. We're going to show up to the priest and, and we're going to say, look, God was faithful again. Look what God did. He said, won't he? I, I just kind of like those three words. Won't he do it? Four words. Let me count. One, two, three, four. Y'all good? Four words. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Wouldn't God? God said it. Now, here we, he said, we might as well put it in the calendar. We're going to celebrate at Pentecost because we are going to come into the priests. We are going to come with the product of the ground. We are going to come because God is faithful. God is good. God's concerned. We got to promise that, that what we've been waiting for is going to be received. What we've been waiting on is going to happen. I just wish someone would begin to think down through the calendar with me that, that this represented Pentecost. That it represented something that would be waited for. It represented it's something that someone was going to wait on God for. It, it may have been in an upper room with some disciples and 120, but, but here's what they knew. If God had been, come on, if God had been faithful over the years and they had seen themselves walk in with the promise of God over and over again, that in this, in this picture of Pentecost, God was going to release his promise over and over again. Bread was more significant than just breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It was a signal of God's salvation. It was a sign of God's visitation. It was the seal that the sovereign was at work in their lives, in their homes, in their fields. And they knew it because if the people would go into a season of sinning, that God would shut off the rain in heaven. He would allow the pests to consume the crops. The famine would destroy what the land had produced. It was in those seasons when Israel would realize we've been walking the wrong way. God has a way of getting our attention. I'm not saying God's mean, but God balances everything out and says, I think it's going to be worth it if we just let them go through a hard season right now so they can see what I want to do in their future. It was in those seasons when Israel would remember that God was in control. There, there isn't anything like God just kind of Shutting things down in our life until we direct our attention at him. God wants us to live for him. Was, we've been walking through the book of Ruth with Pastor Woodward. And, and uh, he started the story with Naomi and how that <clears throat> she had been in the land of Moab. But that verse rang in my ears as I was preparing for this message that she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. This is why. She said, for she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. And so she gets out up from the land of Moab. Can I just tell you, God always has an exit strategy for you. God has an exit door waiting when, until we hear that voice, we're, we may be in the wrong place, but, but all of a sudden, I just, I just feel like someone needs to know God's got an exit plan for you out of the life that you're in into the life that he's prepared for you. But this is how, yeah, that's all right. Go ahead and clap. 
I, I believe that, that there should be a testimony that comes loud and clear that God has visited his people in giving them bread. Regardless of where somebody is, they may be on the other end of this, of this video line. They may be on the other end of YouTube or Facebook right now or in the future. Can, can I just let somebody know that God's got an exit strategy for you today? It's time to come out of Moab and into Bethlehem. It's time to come into the place because God has visited his people in giving them bread. Bread was a sign that God was at work for his people. So out of everything that God could have included in the tabernacle, God could have said, you know, there's all kinds of things that prove my, my providence and there's all kinds of things. But, but I, I just find it interesting, interesting that God said, we're going to put a little table here and, and on that table it's going to be the table of showbread. And it's going to show my provision for the people of Israel. It's just going to show that, you know, Israel, every time that the priest goes into that holy place, that, that the table of showbread is going to be a reminder, I'm, I'm working for you, Israel. You're not doing this by yourself. You're not doing this on your own. I, I, I'm in your corner. I'm working for you. And, and, and that God visits his people in giving us bread. I, I, I've been in services where I've been so hungry for what God has in store when all of a sudden there was a filling that happened where the word came and it was bread in our spirit and we received it. Can I... God wants to do that for somebody today. The closer that you got to God's power, the closer that you got to the Holy of Holies, the, the closer that you got, God's provision was right there. It was a reminder to them that God was working for them. And, and it would seem that as we come closer to the end times, God wants this world to know that he has brought us into prophetic assignment and God has brought us into prophetic alignment. Joel prophesied that there would be an end time outpouring. That the latter and the former rain would come together. Why? Because they would need that much rain to facilitate the harvest that was going to be grown. The former rain alone wouldn't do it. The latter rain by itself wouldn't accommodate the growth that was going to happen. But he was going to allow the former and the latter rain to fall together. And there was going to be such a yield in the harvest. And there was going to be so much that would happen in the crops that it was going to overflow. Joel 2, 23, be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. And then what happens? The floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil, and I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. God's not going to be a debtor to anybody. But whatever God took away so you would come back to him, God's going to give back to you in the end time. We get a little nervous and we get a little cautious sometimes when we say God's just kind of withholding until he gets your attention. Can I tell you, whatever he withheld, he will restore. Whatever God kind of held back in the end, he's going to give it back to you. God's going to yield it. He said, I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent. Among you, and ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dwelt wondrously with you. God's going to do that in the end time. And so we have this picture of Pentecost through the Old Testament that's going to yield something in our future. It's a picture of Pentecost because it's something that God's going to allow to grow, it's something that God's going to release. It's something that you're going to have to wait for. 
you're going to have to wait on it. But if you obe obey God's word, he's going to open it to you. In Joel 2.28, it said, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out. Joel continues on with that verse about the latter and the former rain and what God's going to do. He said, and it shall come to pass. Would someone just say amen? amen? And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Well, that's what, that's what I feel in the underflow right now. There's something being poured out. God's preparing that God is going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. And this is a multi-generational promise. And, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. And God says it's going to happen. You may have to wait on it, but just like Pentecost, it's going to happen. Put it in your calendar. Mark it down in your day timer. Come on, get Siri to make a note, make a memo. It's going to happen. Revival is on the horizon. Re revival fire is burning. It, it may be invisible right now, but the smoke is smoldering. It's, it's beginning to break out. Something is going to happen in the last days, and, and we are determined to be a part of what God is going to do, because if, if Pentecost was just a picture in the Old Testament and it was released in the New Testament. What does God want to do today? Because if Pentecost is the birthday of the church, I have this belief that Pentecost, come on, in its infancy is not going to be more than the church at maturity. I have this understanding and this belief that if it was powerful and 3,000 souls were added to the church in one day, what could God do in 2023 on a Pentecost Sunday? I'm just believing for Pentecost I'm believing it. I'm believing it. I'm believing it's going to be more because Joel said it was in the last days, the latter and the former reign together. It's this outpouring of the spirit that we have come to connect with Pentecost. So the day of Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday, 2023 music, you can come back. We've been 27 minutes. Nobody told me that. I just did the math quick. You have been 27 minutes. Wrap it up. Everyone's looking at the wall back there. It's just the verse. But let me read what the verse says. When the day of Pentecost was fully come. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were, any Pentecostals in the room? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody learn this one in primary Sunday school class? For Pentecost Sunday, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Tap your neighbor and say, we are in one accord this morning. I'm so glad to be here with all of you. We were in one accord in one place, and <laughs> suddenly there came a sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each and every one of them. No exceptions, no exclusions, no restrictions, no, no holdbacks. God said, you know what, well, we're going to figure it out. We're just going to do this work that 
Yet they've been in prayer. They've been waiting for my promise. It wasn't complete yet. We were, we were 10 days early. We were 9 days early. We were 7 days early. We, we were waiting for the day of Pentecost to fully come because the picture has to be perfect. It's 7 weeks of 7 days. It's 7 Sabbaths that have to be completed. But then we are because when they came into that day, that day that was fully completing that feast season, there was something in those disciple spirits that was anticipating what is God going to do? What is God going to do? He told us to wait for the promise. He told us to go to Jerusalem and wait until we are endued with power from on high. So what is it? What does it look like? I don't know. I have an idea. I've got scripture in the Old Testament that gives us a with stammering lips and another tongue he's going to speak to his people. We've got an idea about what it's going to sound like. We have a little picture about what it's going to look like. But I, I'm waiting for it. I'm anticipating it. I want it. I know that that, that was a sign that, that those feasts have been signals and signs all the way along. But what God is going to do. And in that one place with those people of one accord, that sound came and cloven tongues of, as a fire set upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And God sets the benchmark out. And I understand that it's unusual to come into a house and hear people speaking with other tongues. But we're just leaning back on what God did in Acts chapter 2 on that first Pentecost Sunday. We're just leaning back to the promise of what he did and the reality of what that looked like. It was a benchmark. It was, it was come on, it, it was the, the drawings that we were going to grow the church from. It was, it was there. That was what. So if it happened in Acts 2, we are able to claim that promise in 2023. Someone shout today. Acts 2.15, it was obviously a little bit like what service was like a few moments ago. For these are not drunken as ye suppose. I promise nobody in the room was drinking at 9 o'clock this morning, came into the room half, halfway in the, I don't even know what the terminology is. I was going to say half-baked, but I think that deals with something else. <laughs> it's in moments like these, I'm so thankful for Kathy. Because I'm just kind of stumbling around here trying to figure out my way. She's just, we got this. Just go, Jack. Just go. Carry on. Go. These are not drunken. As you suppose, it's, a, it's only 11.21. It was only 10.30. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's just jump down to verse 38. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words that he testify and exhort, saying, save yourself from this generation. But that book of Acts summarized it and took the best part out, took the important part out. Many other words were there. 
testimonies and exhortations were there. But, but he said, Let, let's just make sure that we get this part that, that every one of us needs to do this work of death, repentance, burial, baptism. Everyone. That everyone needs to walk through those steps and that God does this work of filling us with his precious spirit. What a time of celebration we had last week. We watched as God filled young people with the baptism of his spirit. We watched as people went down in this watery grave of baptism. This, this tank was water splashing all over the place. It was awesome. It was incredible. I'm celebrating what God did, James. I'm celebrating what God's done in the last few weeks. Celebrating how God's moved and God's ministered. Why? Because in the midst of everything that could be taken as bad, God said, I've got something good in store. I've got, I've got a work that I'm working. I've got a promise that I'm releasing. And none of us have to leave this room without being filled with the baptism of his spirit. It was that day, they that gladly received his word were baptized, and that same day they were added unto them. 3,000 souls. 3,000 souls. There's so much significance in Scripture that you can't, we don't have time to unpack it all, but but if you were to go back, there were 3,000 souls that were lost when the law was given. But now when the promise is given, 3,000 souls are added. Can I just tell you, God always restores. He is a God of restoration. Whatever the enemy takes away, God said, I'm restoring, I'm giving back. And so we see it in Acts 2 that 3,000 were added to the church. But it isn't just an Acts 2 exemption in, in the scripture. God says this is for everybody because it continues on. If we just take two more examples, and that's all the time we'll take this morning. But it's in Acts chapter 10. It's the household of Cornelius. It's the Gentile nation that God says, you know what, it's not restricted to. Israel, I'm going to open the door to the Gentiles. I'm going to open the door to all of us. And Peter is compelled by the Spirit. We won't take time to read all Scripture, but in verse 44, it says that while Peter was yet speaking to the, the house of Cornelius, that the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. So while Peter is preaching to these people that nobody that came with Peter expects to receive them to receive what God has for them. But it's in that moment that while Peter is yet preaching that the Holy Ghost begins to fall. And we're waiting for that kind of service. I'll take any interruption from the Holy Ghost that he wants to do. I'll take any interruption when people begin to be filled with the Spirit of God because that, that's when God just takes, it's his church, it's his day. This is the day of Pentecost, so I'm ready for God to begin to do that kind of work in, in this service this morning. And, and I believe that, that God's not finished, but if this is what God did in Acts chapter 2, and, and this is what God did in Acts chapter 10, and, and then if we just jump down to Acts 19, we've got the disciples of John the Baptist haven't heard about everything that we've heard about Paul passed through the upper coast came to Ephesus he finds certain disciples have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed and he said unto them how you're how were you baptized because baptism matters someone say baptism matters and they said we were baptized unto John's baptism 
And then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto people, unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him. John said, I am not worthy to loose the shoe of the one that's coming after me. I, I'm not worthy, but, but if you believe on him, he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So John was foretelling. So when these disciples were standing there, said, well, we don't know really what you're talking about. John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should, which should come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, if you've not yet been baptized in the name of Jesus, there isn't a better day that I could imagine than today to be baptized. We are prepared. We have robes in abundance from large to small. We have changing groups and towels and, and I loved it this week. We, we put in a little washer and dryer out there. <laughs> Nicole said, should I keep washing if it smells like burning rubber? We gave the washer and dryer a real workout. I love it. I would love to wear the washer. We will replace the washer and dryer. We will. She said, should I keep washing? I said, oh, I'll keep washing them. Let's get ready for Sunday. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen to what happens, because this is part of this whole picture. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. I believe. I believe that God would desire every day for someone to experience Pentecost. I believe that God wants to do it on Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. I believe that God wants to do it every day of the week, but I especially believe it, that God would desire to do it on Pentecost Sunday. And we're not singling anybody out. There are, there are people that have carefully considered this. They've been around for a while. They've been here for a season, and, and we don't push anybody into this. We encourage people. We preach about it the way that the Bible speaks about it. But we're not pressing anybody in. But I would say that somebody this morning, you're waiting and you're wanting to know what your next step is. And the same way that Paul gave instruction, in the same way that Peter gave instruction, in the very same way God is giving instruction to someone this morning to say this morning is your morning to take your next step. This morning is your morning to move, come on, to move closer to God than you have been. This morning is your morning. I, I got a testimony right there. That's all right. Anybody else testify? Anybody else just testify to say this may be my morning? I, I believe in it, and I, I'm just encouraging someone. You don't, you don't have to have any degree. You don't have to finish a course because there are no delayed baptisms in Scripture. But if that is your next step this morning, the only requisite, prerequisite is, is repentance. It's you saying, God, I want to turn my life around and live in the promise that you have prepared for me. God's had it waiting all along 
It was growing in the soil of your spirit when you didn't even realize it. And now we're at the day of Pentecost and God has prepared it so you can receive it. God has prepared it so it can be yours. God has prepared it so you can step into it. And I'm just encouraging someone right now, make the decision. I'm going to get baptized this morning. That little tank right there, it's ready for someone to be baptized. Our, our changing rooms have been pre prepared. We're, we're ready for someone to be baptized. But not just baptized in water. I believe that God wants to fill someone with the baptism of his spirit this morning. I believe that someone, by the time that you leave this room, that you can be, come on, you can be filled with the Holy Ghost the same way that it happened in Acts chapter 2, the same way that it happened in Acts chapter 10, the same way that it happened in Acts chapter 19. God wants to fill woo, somebody with the baptism of the Holy Ghost this morning. That is what I know. Come on. The same way that the farmer walked out in the field and said, it's happening. It's happening. I see it. I see it. I see the, come on, I see the fruit on the vine. It's happening. What God said is going to happen. I just like to tell you that in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, sons and daughters, seniors and younger. That's what I know that God said he's going to do. It's going to happen. Come on, sing together sermon is finished but God's not done what he wants to do can we just give you some instruction this morning I met with some of our ministers in the altar or in the office before I asked them to join us in the altar if some of those men would come and ladies if you want to join them, that would be wonderful. Just, just come and take your place right along the front. Because I believe there's some people that you want the day of Pentecost to be more than bouncy castles and burgers. I believe that someone in the room this morning, you're wanting to say, would, would someone just help me take that next step? I don't know what to do. Can I just encourage you, it's time, just to make your way to the front with these gentlemen. And we're going we're gonna to have a group of people pray with you. We're not going to intrude in your personal space. We're not, come on, we're not going to.